obviously want to jump 418 and win medals at the Olympics and the, and the World Championships, but the best way to do that is have fun. And I'm out there with my competitors, we're best friends, we're out there chatting. You know, I'm not saying that I'm goofing around at the track. When I need to be serious, I can't be serious and sensible. When you're dressed in running clothes, you're all the same. Everybody's the same. You don't know if you're talking to an accountant, you don't know if you're talking to a shop worker, you don't know who you're talking to. Your common bond is running. Part of it is figuring out how at our grassroots level and, and just above, we can get similar level of coverage that the commentators at a Grand Prix meeting might have. Hello, welcome to the England Athletics podcast. I'm just walking up to the Bedford International Athletics Stadium. It's the England Under-15 and Under-17 Championships this weekend. And, well, an interesting discussion last month with Tony Minicello, Abigail Erosaru and Naomi Ogbita about how we stop young athletes from dropping out of the sport, a whole range of views. Today, my task is to ask people if they can change one thing about the sport or indeed today's competition, what would it be? Let's find out what people have to say. Then we'll put Dean Hardman of England Athletics in the hot seat to try and answer some questions and respond to a few points. And so the people that make decisions in the sports are directly in conversation with those in the stands. So, I've found Holly Bradshaw. Not Paul Vonsling today, though. Scott Simpson is here coaching. So, uh, Holly's come along for support, I suppose. If you could change one thing about the sport, could be anything to do with the format, the broadcasting, what would it be? First of all, I love the sport. Um, I'm a massive fan, which is why I'm here today. I love watching it. My husband coaches. I do a little bit of coaching the youngsters. So, first of all, I absolutely love the sport. But I think if we could improve it in one way, I think it would... Obviously, I'm really biased, but a little bit more love to the, the field events. Like, I know it's difficult in broadcasting to follow the field events you, you know with a track event you know what time it's setting off a lot of youngsters get lost into endurance running and sprinting because they don't even know what pole vault is for example whereas if it was more regular on tv if kids could see it watch it on tv and knew about it then i'm pretty sure we'd get more and more kids doing it and then we could actually be world beaters in that event and i think that'd be one thing i'd change i'd love to ask you this question so it's quite difficult people don't really understand pole vault and haven't had a go at it to explain it but um, Trevor Fox who's the coach of Adam Haig said um, imagine it like a pendulum a pendulum swings really fast so that's when you're going down the runway and about to execute the vault and then suddenly whilst you're shifting your body and uh, uh, trying to clear that bar it's like the pendulum is swinging slowly you're doing a number of things in a very short space of time how would you attempt to explain the pole vault to people who, who'd never had a go at it before? Um, First of all, the pole vault is super fun, but super complicated and kind of like touching on what Trevor said. In the jump, you know, from start to finish, from starting on the run to finishing on the pole vault here, it maybe lasts like 10 seconds. And within that 10 seconds, you have to be fast on the run. Then you have to kind of hit the pole and like be patient at takeoff. Then you have to be fast in the swing and then you have to be patient at the top of the vault to give you the height over it. Fast then slow, then fast then patient. Well, hopefully some of the young athletes that are vaulting today will stay in the sport indeed but it's interesting in our last podcast Naomi Ogbita was saying that it's so important for athletes to enjoy not only athletics but also other things as well first of all I think it's really important that as an athlete you have other things going on for me I, I'm a full-time athlete I'm training to win a medal at the highest level and yet I still I'm studying studying a master's in October I've been studying a degree for the last six years I used to volunteer in a coffee shop so absolutely as an athlete you can't train for 12 hours of the day you don't train for 12 hours sleep for 12 hours that's not how 
how it works. You know, I train for four hours max a day, and I think it's really important for youngsters to know to use that time wisely. Also, when I'm injured or having a low period, I've got other things to fall back on. And um, I went through a bit of a rough patch in 2017 where I had so much pressure on myself. Every competition was PB, this, that, and it consumed me. And it's actually, you've got to bring it back. And the reason why I started it was because I love it and I enjoy it. And that for me is why I do it now and what I focus on. It seems like you're, you're enjoying and vaulting well, really well this season as well. Another British title for you, so things are going well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm having a really good season. I think definitely one of the things that I've learned is I obviously want to jump 418, win medals at the Olympics and the, and the World Championships, but the best way to do that is have fun. And I'm out there with my competitors. We're, we're best friends. We're out there chatting. You know, I'm not saying that I'm goofing around at the track. When I need to be serious, I can't be serious and sensible. If I was to finish my sport now, I'm content. I love what I get out of it, and that's good enough for me, and I'm, I'm good enough without those medals. Yeah, and it seems like you have a really good camaraderie and spirit as well with the other athletes on the international uh, scene now, which you're very used to. Like, there was a video of you and Kat Stefanidi having a, a joke in between the competition. Yeah, I mean, it, it is unusual in sport. You don't see it very often. You see people wanting to pitch people against each other, and actually it's not like that in the pole vault. And we go up there and we're like a little family helping each other. I want, I want to see the girls do just as well as I do, and if they're going to jump 490 on the day and I'm going to jump 470, then good for them. You know, it should have been me that stepped up and... And that's really the thoughts behind us girls out there and I actually feel like we have a better time for it and, and it's good for the sport. So just wandering around the track here, there's a university stand and uh, Colin from the University of Bath here who's managed men in their Bucks teams as well, a wealth of experience. Colin, your thoughts on how you would change this competition or one thing you could change within the sports? So I feel that the gaps between events is very large. I think it slows down the event for the athletes and the people watching it to make it more exciting. I think it would be a good way to go. But I know it's a big ask, but I think it would make a big difference to the sport. Okay, yes. It's a challenge between officials and broadcasters, but hopefully something can be worked out there. Continuing the Bath theme... Bethany Kennedy, formerly Beth Close, remember winning Bucks last year in the 200 metres here in this very stadium. One thing I would possibly change, and it might be beneficial to me particularly because I'm tall, but would be that the height of the hurdles would be slightly higher. I feel like they're, they're so low that anyone who might be sort of on that top end of 400 but not quite making it could move to the four hurdles and be really really brilliant so I feel like they could be maybe two inches higher just to bring in that element of hurdle skill into it a little bit more. So at the top bend we've got uh, athletes with hands on hips about to get their semi-final underway. I found Julian Starkey, tell me about yourself. Uh, hi Alex, I'm Julian, chair of Bracknell Athletics Club and I'm on the EA National Council. If I was to change one thing in national competitions I'd take out under 13s um, maybe in regional competitions too I'd like to see a pathway so that as people get older and go up age groups they have something to look forward to Hi I'm Laurie Wallace from Bedford Athletics Club I feel that um, athletics is losing out to other sports uh, due to the grassroots funding systems if we could get some more funding at the grassroots of athletics, I think the sport would be more profitable for it. Former British record holder Montel Douglas is here with the Youth Sport Trust. So just tell us what you do. So I'm here with the Youth Sport Trust as an athlete mentor. So essentially world-class athletes from a range of different sports come to an event, particularly like England, under-17 champs, under-15 champs. 
to do athlete support so we're here to talk to performance parents and kind of help them with the challenges they might face but also talk to the athletes to find out their aspirations look forward to how they can be better as athletes really yeah and for some parents I've spoken to it's the first time they've been to a nationals they've maybe to English schools in the past all kinds of new experiences and, and new adjustments for everyone so I suppose you've been helping them to understand what part of their journey this is yeah it's been actually really nice to see the different like you said different times of their journey they are but it's, it's, it's the same for everyone in terms of as soon as you come here it's a championship it doesn't matter what happened beforehand but they're having to face you know the travelling here the staying over I think you have to always remember why you're doing something and for me the why is always it's the key thing so that's the thing that you know gets you out of bed in the morning and it's freezing it's raining windy that's the reason you're here do you have any thoughts on how we as England Athletics can change the sport or change competitions in order to help athletes as well I would say I don't but they do I think finding out more from athletes because the, the new generation the world is changing so fast so when you're out of touch it's so much ideas that we can have but it's not necessarily what they want where do you think is the best way that we can support you impact you what do you think would be great for the sport what are you interested in and find out from them their parents you know their, their coaches their teammates their officials what they think would make the sport better or more enjoyable one last question. So we were talking about maybe not always just being an athlete, having so many other edges to your personality. Yeah. Is there anything about Montel Douglas that we don't know? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm very open book, to be honest. I'm honestly extremely open book. But I would say I'm still learning. Like I did a British Sign Language course this year because I work with a lot of inclusion and disabled oh, athletes. Well, there you go. So that's something you don't know. That's I've our fact. <laughs> Thank you, Montel. <laughs> well, one of my favourite characters in athletics I've managed to found here, Morris Fox of My Vision for Real Photography. Hi usually about snapping. In fact, I've deprived him of the opportunity to take pictures for about 30 seconds while he chats to me. Morris. Hello, good afternoon. How are you doing? It's not as sunny as it is in Stoke, is it? Well, I'm always sunny, and that's what counts. <laughs> sunny on the sunny. inside? Always on the inside, and that radiates quite, quite violently. That's, <laughs> that's good to hear. If you could change one thing about the sport, what would it be? It would be to get more kids into these stands to watch these meetings. I think this is a beautiful sport. Unfortunately, I think it's on a slight decline. And uh, I was at the British Championships. It was sad to see the empty seats. Yeah. Uh, athletes' performance is really good, and it's, it's improving all the time. We've just seen a you know a hundred meter sprint here for an under 17 doing a 10.38. Unfortunately, uh, a fast wind, but you know we need that encouragement. We it was a fast to... wind. Oh, you yeah. ruined it for me. Sorry. <laughs> I suppose I would have found out eventually. When we talk about age group competition, although yeah. people know you as a photographer, you are also an age group competitor. Not not at under 15 level, of course. Of course I am. Of course I am. <laughs> on, on under 15, I'm 20. <laughs> one, actually. So, yeah, I mean, I've been involved in, in athletics for quite a while. At this mature time, time of my, of my life, you know, I'm taking it easy, but veteran sports is growing. It's huge. And it grows every year. What I'm competing with is what I've learnt over the years. It's kind of muscle memory. So I go out there and I do my thing. Yes, I am British champion over the um, shop up. And I already trained because I enjoyed it so much. Have you got some good snaps from today? Good snaps? Oh boy, you can't get any better than my vision for real. <laughs> so we wandered our way inside and I found Dean Hardman, England Athletics Head of Business Partnerships and Major Events. Dean, have you had a good day? It's been an excellent day. As we always see with these under 15, under 17 champs, with all those 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds, someone has to bring them and they often come with numerous friends and family. It makes for a great atmosphere. 
So a few people had some interesting things to say. Colin Pavel from the University of Bath says, how can we reduce gaps between events without putting too much strain on officials? Any thoughts on that? Officials would probably be the best place to answer that. I mean, we always leave timetabling done in conjunction with the technical officials for the event. Take championships to one side and look at just general timetabling of events. It's often the long throws that dictate the length of a meeting. You kind of want to make your track events fit that length of the meeting. So, yeah, you could probably, in some cases, bang through the track events really quickly, but you'd be left um, solely with long throws. Now, actually, maybe there's something in that. It would give more focus to the athletes' throws in the infield, and maybe it would be nice, but it's certainly one to, to consider. Yeah, well, Holly Bradshaw was here the Great Britain pole vaulter and she said yes I would like to see more love for the field events more spotlight and attention on them so perhaps that's one way of doing it possibly I think where you've got an event such as today's where it's every event in the in the sport it is important I think that we give all events equal coverage I'd absolutely accept that in, in our sport there is a tendency to focus on the track and let the track timetable determine what the announcers say Broadcasting, for example, I'm well aware lots of people will feed back to broadcasters that they don't show enough field events, and I'd certainly agree with that. In stadium, where you're perhaps somewhat limited by technology, no big screen, for example, at this event, and there's something that, I don't know, maybe people have fed back that they'd like to see that so they can see the results and maybe see on the screen events that are happening on the other side of the stadium. But it it is a bit more challenging in, in a stadium like this where you've got one announcing box limited sight lines and limited quality of information coming into them to, to really go big on the field events but it's absolutely something we, we as a whole sport need to work on in my view event specific competition is increasingly popular so I know up in my neck of the woods around Manchester Vault Manchester is a hugely popular competition I know Holly's competed at that and, and will no doubt speak positively about it so one thing that I would perhaps add is that if the announcer had, uh, and they may do today actually, have access to the radio communications that are happening, so they might know immediately what's happening in the high jump pole vault, well, either a volunteer or someone that would be out in the field to have a radio, and if Vinko could have that as well in the live stream, that might make a difference. There is somebody with a radio, spotters as they're called, radioing into the box and telling them, of a you know, particularly good performance that may have occurred in the field but at the moment it's typically when there is a change in leader, leadership of that competition it's not a round by round update that if you go to a Diamond League meeting or a Grand Prix meeting you've got a commentator's information system that updates that electronically as every performance goes in so I guess part of it is figuring out how at our grassroots level and, and just above we can get similar level of coverage that the commentators at a Grand Prix meeting might have Technology, the answer, I would suspect, Alex. Uh, people using iPads out in the field and that kind of thing. You know, investment required, possibly. While we talk about uh, grassroots, Laurie from Bedford says it's a shame that uh, young athletes are choosing other sports because there's more grassroots or other types of, uh, of levels of funding in them. Any thoughts on that? Well, I'd certainly say it's a shame whenever, whenever any talented young athletes leave our sport and go and do another sport. Equally, we know that athletes from other sports come and, come and do athletics, so it is probably a bit of a two-way process. Clearly team sports and, and professional team sports, football, rugby, cricket, they have established academies attached to professional clubs that probably do make it a little bit easier for, an athlete, for a youngster who's talent ID'd, spotted, brought in and yeah, they'll, they'll get lots of kit, they'll get attention from coaches. Our sport doesn't operate like that in a good way, we're, 
it's our community clubs that coach young athletes. I believe there are some plans in place around talent that UK Athletics are leading on uh, that we as England Athletics will, will no doubt be part of as well. Uh, that would look to, I guess, identify talented athletes and their coaches, importantly, from an earlier age and get them involved. Montel Douglas, former Great Britain national record holder, says lots of ideas here and there, but we need to be speaking to as many athletes and spectators to find out what they want and hopefully deliver it well. I think that's what we're doing here with the podcast, I'm glad to say, getting a bit of feedback, going out into the stands and and finding out. I guess we should also point out that... um, we have a research function within England Athletics. Our colleague Dan Isherwood, who's our head of performance management and insight, he's he runs surveys with the general population about their perception of the sport, but also within with people within the sport. And couldn't agree more. Julian Starkey, um, he's the chair of our South East Council. Exactly. So um, from Bracknell AC as well, he says he would get rid of the under thirteen age group. And I'm going to loop another point in Wayne from Pembrokeshire, um, whose daughter has recently broken a Welsh under fifteen record says he'd remind officials and also coaches that while a nine-year-old entering the sport should take it seriously it's about them having fun and he doesn't want to see them come off crying after three no throws or because they didn't perform as expected let's take julian's point first removing the under 13 age we don't actually have a championship in track and field for under under 13s yes they're part of the ydl and i'm absolutely certain that the ydl themselves are looking at how they might evolve their competition to provide more local and appropriate competition for, the, for athletes of that age. So I would personally agree with, agree with that suggestion. It does link to the other point around fun. If you're really, really firm that your view is that the sport is about development and talent ID, we know for a fact that the best athletes when they're 9, 10, 11, 12 years old are not necessarily the athletes that are going to be top seniors or, or enjoy success at, at, at older age groups. So we absolutely should be focusing on fun for them the the athlete development philosophy really is that all athletes of that age should be doing a bit of running jumping and throwing whatever they may see as their favorite or their specialism and there are numerous examples of youngsters who you know have got into the sport doing one discipline find that they're talented at another previous podcast we heard from naomi ogbeta listen to that one if you've not already done so where she started off as a sprinter, tried a bit of triple jump and found that she was the best in the country at it. Another athlete from, from my club, Andy Robertson, the sprinter, came into this club and the sport as a cross-country runner and has had a very successful senior career as a sprinter. So we should be encouraging athletes at a younger age group to have fun, to try as much different activities as they can. We shouldn't be afraid of them doing other sports. And then you know, we can focus on performance as they get a little bit older. Now, Adam from Glasgow said, I would like to see the coaches be able to get closer to the high jump because it's hard to coach from the extremities of the track. Of course, the long jump enjoys uh, coaching, get right up and close and personal. Not always possible at each venue, of course. Well, I think that, that latter point is the key one, really. It depends on the venue. I mean, it's up, yes, here at Bedford, great venue, great stadium. We love coming here. Here, you can get close to the long jump. You can't get particularly close to the high jump. Go somewhere else and it might be the, the opposite. And actually, if you go to the Olympic Games, chances are your coach isn't going to be sat right next to the high jump fan. So I can understand the point that's being made. Final two, Morris Fox, the uh, photographer. esteemed photographer. Exactly. He said uh, his personality was uh, radiating quite violently today, as it always is. 
Uh, he says, I would like to see more kids in the stand at these events. I suppose it's a difficulty when it is the summer holidays yeah. as well to get kids in the stands. And Bethany Kennedy, the 400 metre hurdler, this is a bit of a curveball, said, could we raise the height of 400 metre hurdles for women? That's a long-standing question you know that the hurdle height for women i guess it's exacerbated when people see very tall women competing over the hurdles maybe there's an argument this personal view here since the hurdle heights have been set for both men and women humans tend to be a bit taller both genders than than in the past one of the nice things is that you can compare performances with the past when the hurdles were that height so you know we've seen it with javelin javelins and other implements changing weights or changing dimensions or specification sometimes it's important to do it other times it's nice to just safety yeah yeah and other times it's nice to just stick with what we've got it just becomes a different a slightly different skill um the point about kids in the stand absolutely we've had actually got really good attendance here today i mean the range just started now uh, as we look outside and but yeah the more kids that, that can be here manchester international our event that we hold earlier in august we do try and distribute t- kids come free we do try and distribute tickets lo- to local community groups the same could be done here as you say it's quite difficult to reach them at this time of year but it's certainly something we should be looking at yeah dean you've done fabulously well there in the hot seat and i believe you're on your travels now absolutely off to maidenhead this evening we've got our england age group masters team competing at the half marathon distance for the first time at the maidenhead half marathon tomorrow so i'm looking forward to uh, seeing the athletes at the opposite end of, of the age group spectrum don the england vest and, and do their best have a good time now away from bedford and a regular feature that we do in these podcasts is to visit some clubs this month Chris Jones, CEO of England Athletics, has been to Redway Runners in Milton Keynes, which has around 2,500 members, one of England's biggest member clubs. So let's find out how Chris got on. So two key individuals here at Redway Runners. I've got Martin and I've got Annette at the end of your Sunday morning run by the cake stall. Just tell us a bit about Redway Runners and what makes you so proud. Oh, I think it's probably, we set up Midway Runners um, eight years ago, and I've cited the story a few times, and when we wanted to get it going, there was just a few of us running from the local gym. We got about six or seven of us running, we thought, well, perhaps we should form it into a formal running club, and we debated it for a while, and we decided to go with it, and we worked out we probably need about ten members. So we debated and debated whether we'd get ten people to come out running with us and join and pay perhaps a, a fee. Then we decided to go live, thought we'd have it, and here we are, um, now eight and a half years later, and we've got 2,000 700 members what we did was when we set the club up we set in four principles of being fun social value for money and for the benefit of our runners and as we've got bigger we still try to stick to those and we've gone into a major event this year with um, mk24 which is 24 hours of running which is no mean feat but the way we did it we we said run run it your way just do one lap do 10 laps you've probably seen this morning we haven't counted up the numbers yet but we had about 100 people running on the club run another probably 30 or 40 on our step up run and that happens every Sunday and we've also got a junior section out this morning as well running in another part of Milton Keynes Fantastic thank you Martin and Annette I know you were an award winning club a couple of years back with England Athletics what makes the club so special to you? One of the things that I can say to my beginners is that if you look at parkrun results You'll see Redway runners at the front and you'll see them at the bottom as well. And all the way through, they're spread through. So all our runs, we do, we cater for all different types of paces, all different types of runners. We do trail running. One of the things we do with beginners is ask them why they join the club. And a lot of the reasons are social. When you're 
dressed in running clothes, you're all the same. Everybody's the same. You don't know if you're talking to an accountant. You don't know if you're talking to a shop worker. You don't know who you're talking to. Your, your common bond is running, and it's just a chat. So here at Redway Runners, I'm with Gareth and Stacey, heavily involved in local park runs. Gareth, you're the event director at Park Run uh, in the area. How many are there in Milton Keynes, actually? Two within the tenants, but we've also got two junior park runs as well. Yeah. We were the 24th park in the UK when I first started it almost 10 years ago. And how many will you get running on a weekend, do you think? Uh, well, yesterday was 793, wow. I think. But that was also, we broke the 20,000 barrier for different runners. So we've now had 20,037 different runners. So in terms of um, breadth of experience and ability, I bet you get a, the whole range, don't you? Massively, yes. It's nice that we get a lot more people who will quite comfortably turn up and just walk it yeah. or do a walk run. You don't yeah. have to run to be part of park run. We get lots of people coming to us with, with most awful health stories, things they've been through, um, and, and mental challenges as well, and this has given them a bit of an outlet to focus on. One of the early issues that we had was that some clubs felt as if it was competition. It's now pretty much everyone sees that actually the more people that do this, the more it gives that ability to, to have a greater variety in your club, which means it's more sustainable. Well, it's a win-win for everyone really, isn't it? I mean, we've noticed over the last decade the club sport has grown to 185,000 registered club athletes and runners, I think from the age of 5 to 91. And all that growth has come from running, largely, over the age of 30, significantly from women and girls as well. And we know that that's kind of uh, been thanks to the efforts of volunteers and, and, of course, the growth of concepts like Park Run across the country. And we shouldn't forget, in Milton Keynes, we're here, the home of Greg Rutherford, of course, Olympic champion. you got MK down at Stantonbury campus down the road as well. So really is a great deal of opportunity in this area. That's it. I mean, Milton Keynes Marshalls is a lovely club, yeah. and they do a lot of the kids' training as well. Yes. We do some kids' stuff here, but yes. at least the opportunity is still there in this area for kids to get excited about sport. And it's yeah. not just about oh, doing this random cross-country run. They've got the opportunity to do all the, all the track and field stuff. And Stacey, you, we were just talking about the work you do at Loughborough University around um, social running and the impacts of social running. Tell us a bit more about that. Okay, so we did a study last year looking at people starting a beginner's running program and we found overall in terms of those that completed the program, they saw beneficial changes, we saw reductions in body fat, body weight and obviously improvements in fitness. Um, but also there was a huge mental health benefit as well. You know, the, the spirit of the group, the social support and that seems to be one thing that's really important. I guess that's kind of a national trend as well. And more and more people uh, are using running as a means to address physical health but also mental health and well-being. Definitely. I think a lot of people we speak to, certainly in our research project and in the club, um, have said you know how important running is, particularly running with people, running and chatting. Well, thanks for everything you're doing for the sport in this community and we wish you all the best in the future. Cheers. I'm with Mika and we're stood by the... Emily Star Cake Sale. And this is a weekly occurrence, is it? Cakes after the run and you get a lot of support from Redway runners? <laughs> cakes after the run is not a really a weekly occurrence, but a lot of our runners do like cake and uh, I personally run because I like cake <laughs> so yeah you get a lot of events after the run or after park run to raise money really a lot of people raising money for half marathons marathons or just like charities they you know support all about yin and yang you know you've earned the right to 
have your um, extra slice of cake or whatever it is that you fancy. How much money have you raised over the years with this venture? Our charity alone with the cake sale yesterday, there was £350 raised. Fantastic. And I was listening to Martin earlier when he was giving the address to all the Redway runners before he went off. And he was mentioning something called the drama run, where you've got to come and doll yourselves up for the day, men and women in their top hats and tails and dresses and that. Have you done that before? That particular one we haven't, but in the summer they do do various pop-up runs with different themes, different events. That means there's always something different to try. It's fantastic. You can join the club having not run at all and, you know, within sort of 10 weeks you're running 5k, you're doing park run and then from that you can take it to wherever you want to. You can go on and do half marathons or you can just run for fun. Thank you, Mika. And Donna, sum up very succinctly for our listeners, why is Redway Runners such a fantastic club? It's like a big green family. We all help each other. Some of us um, run because... We get very low and we find it helps us mentally. There's all ages, there's all sizes, all levels, aren't there? And and the great thing is that nobody thinks they're too good to help anybody else. It's just so supportive. Well, thank you for that. Keep on running, keep on the great work in supporting the uh, runners of all abilities, ages, aspirations in the Milton Keynes area. Thank you. Chris Jones there in Milton Keynes, speaking to people from uh, Redway Runners Club. And uh, if your club would like to be featured in this podcast, let us know. The sun now setting on Bedford as these England Athletics Under-15 and Under-17 Championships come to a close. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Maybe you'll be able to contribute to a future one too. For now though, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>